I, uh, I have a terrible, terrible confession to make, Josh Helmer, right off the top. Something maybe for some of you, good for this show happened last night. Maybe for some of you, you're like, already? Fell in my, uh, I fell in my draft hole last night. I fell in my draft. I got all fired up about the NFL draft. Senior Bowl week. Senior Bowl week, right? This, this week is? This week is Senior Bowl week. We've got guys that are weighing in and things of that nature. So, up oh, KJ will be here at 9-10. Um, it's Senior Bowl week, baby. Down in Mobile. I uh, I filled in over on the on the Magic Radio yesterday, and I did a show with E.J. Manuel, and we talked to two guests from the Senior Bowl, and seeing the rundown, I realized, huh, I've only kind of dipped my toe into the draft pool, looked at a few mock drafts, listened to a podcast. Um, this is no lie. I went through about 17 mock drafts last night. They all uh, – no no one has a clue right now. I listened to two Mel Kuyper and Field Yates podcasts. Your thoughts on Field Yates, by the way, Josh? Thoughts? I don't know that I have strong opinions. I, I, I like Field Yates. I did – I don't have strong opinions either. But I kind of – I kind of miss Todd McShay. You know, I, mean, I they had built him up over the last – decade and he had kind of become a regular part of my draft cycle and well no field yates again so what's mcshay doing i have no idea did he just if, fall if off it, the if anyone can help me on the knippemeyer chevrolet text line i couldn't find him anywhere last night do i you would have thought like a fox would scoop him up but i think something's going on there remember he had the he had the issues where there were some weird sideline reports where he was not himself, and I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. Like you think there's like a health problem? There might, or I think there might be a health problem there. Oh, so, so maybe that's it. That's too bad. But Field Yates reminds me of the kind of guy because Mel did this a couple of times to where if you take him off the script, you've ruined everything that he has. It's like, he Mel, would be old school in that way. Mel, Mel Kuyper goes, "This is the guy I'm taking." You hear Field Yates? Ah, oh, he goes, "That's my guy that I was going to take." And so there was like this really long, uncomfortable pause where he goes, "All right, well, let me let me look here a little bit." <laughs> but my point is, uh, in saying that, I I was I felt like I learned a lot yesterday about the they they were talking about the ten questions leading up to the draft. So what do they got? Well, I mean, the biggest question of all is what are the Bears going to do at one? Sure, are they right? taking Caleb Williams? Are they trading? What are they doing? And and if they there's probably not a scenario where they stay at one and don't take a quarterback, right? I A, because it's too valuable, right? You you, you have – we got the golden ticket because somebody's going to want to move up there and get Caleb Williams. And if you've decided you've committed to Justin Fields, well, buddy, continue to build those – fill those coffers with first-round future picks. So I think that's number one. But he, here's – I bring it up because this week I think is a – fascinating week for Bill Biedenbow. And, again, we had a great note yesterday where Oklahoma adds on the offensive line. I've, I've dug out to my offensive line friends, uh, Jeff Schwartz and Cole Kublick this morning, said, hey, what do you think of Garrett Hatchett? What what can we expect? Those are two guys that vote on the Moore Award, the Joe Moore Award. So uh, I think Cole's just getting off the air and 
Schwartz might be getting done with a workout. So we'll hear from them coming up in a bit. And I didn't bug Gabe because he's on vacation. Okay, that's. I went to the sec. I went to my tier two. Uh, offensive line guys, but lest anybody get upset. Yeah, yeah, it's like how you just called Gabe. No, he's on vacation, man. Let let him enjoy his time. It's his second vacation in two weeks. He he needs a break. <laughs> he's stressed out. <laughs> he's stressed out clearly. No, but I uh, I got to be honest with you. I don't know what I would do if I was in the bear situation because it's it's tough right now. I think it's a slam dunk that you take Caleb Williams number one and you restart your five year clock. Because you signed Caleb Williams, you got him for five, at the least, right? I think we kind of know what Justin Fields is. And to me, he showed enough to where you can get value for him. But why I would be confused is now the locker room's falling for him, right? And I've, I've seen what can happen when you create a schism in a locker room. And I don't – you know, Caleb Williams is really good at bringing people together, but – once he's in the NFL, and that's a little different, what's the word I'm looking for here, structure, I don't know how smooth that's going to be for him. So I'm, I'm really torn on that. Here's the other thing that they, were, uh, that they were talking about. What is the order? All right, let's all say we agree Caleb Williams is going number one. Since the dawn of conversations about the 24 NFL draft, it's always been Drake May 2 and um, – uh, Jalen uh, Daniels, three. Sorry. I keep wanting to call him a mixture of Jalen Daniels, uh, Jaden Phillips, and Jalen Phillips, who are all NFL players, and one of them is the quarterback at Kansas. Yeah, the Jalen Daniels, Jaden Daniels thing has that been That was not a, good for me. It's it been was, a nightmare it was for a year. Not, it was not good for me. But who's number four then? If those guys are going to go one, two, three, then who's four? And then what is that order at two or three? Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, JJ McCarthy. Gosh. Some interesting it, 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 options. But let, let me let me get back to the OU side of this real quick before KJ comes in here. It's a big week for Bill Beatenbow in Oklahoma because I feel like Tyler Guyton's got a chance to really shoot up some draft boards. You know, Anton Harrison, you know, what did we learn after the draft last year? That Anton Harrison nearly went as high as seven. The Raiders and Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler at the time, I, I don't remember, the Raiders 7th or 10th, wherever they were, they were debating about, hey, did we just pull the trigger on, on Harrison here because he's, he's who we like? Or, you know, do we go ahead and get the defensive line guy that we, that we think has a bigger upside? I mean, in other words, we're starting to see first-round talent get developed here. And if you're not a first-round talent, you're becoming a rock star in this league. I'll, uh, and I'm just using Beanbow guys here, so not Trent Williams. Lane Johnson had a year with Bill, right? Or had he graduated and moved on the year before? I, I'm, I'm sure I'm getting corrected on the timeline right now. But and, and, nevertheless, nevertheless. Um, yeah, I think he did. He did have a year with Bill because Lane Johnson was on that team that got smoked by Texas A&M in the Cotton Bowl. And I want to say that was Bill's first year. Uh to, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. So he was here to 12. So he did. So you can claim Lane Johnson, right? Uh, sure. Orla Orlando Brown, uh, Ben Powers, dudes that in the league now, they're here. They're not going anywhere, right? They're, they are NFL guys until they want to retire. So you continue to add to those coffers of first-round picks. And, you know, Andrew Rame, as much as maybe some people – 
I don't know, weren't necessarily fans or didn't really understand. He's following Creed if, Humphrey. If, if he was good or not. And right, you're following one of the greatest sinners in OU history that, oh, by the way, is probably about to win his second Super Bowl ring. Those are huge shoes to fill. But I was listening to, to Teddy and Gabe's podcast and to hear Jim Nagy talk about him and to see kind of the buzz that's building around him. You know, there's not always a center that goes in the first round. And I don't think that Andrew Rame's going to be in that conversation. But there are 11 offensive linemen that are projected to go in the first round right now in the mix of interior and tackle. And of those, I think eight are offensive tackles. And of the three that are projected as interior offensive linemen, they were college offensive tackles. So my point is, hmm. maybe there's a chance where someone says, who is your boy from Iowa? Lin, 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 Linderbaum. Linderbaum. Maybe someone says, yeah, this Rame guy, he could be our Linderbaum, right? We put him at center, and he's sure. set, and he's good to go. So I, I, I'm going to be fascinated by it. Let's do it. KJ's rolling. Let's get a break so we can get situated, sure. uh, get an early break. I can cleanse the palate from all my conversations about the NFL draft that's coming up in April, but it is Senior Bowl week. So KJ's in studio. We'll talk about the home meet win over Denver and what's coming up, including a Taylor Swift night inside the Lloyd Noble Center. It's all coming up right here on The Ref. All right, uh, we're pumped to have KJ Kindler back in studio. I apologize for being. Let's see, what did I go through? I was, I was sick. Then, well, you can uh, you can relate to this. We have our daughters who are in a lot of events, and we were down to one car because a car broke down. That is not conducive to getting where no. you need to go. It did not work. But pumped to have you back in studio. You got a new book with you? Yeah, what we got. Uh, I have Maggie Nichols' Unstoppable book. Nice. It came out a couple weeks ago. She write it. Uh, she did write it, and her. she'll be in the LNC signing books uh, the February 23rd meet against West Virginia. So she's doing a book signing prior to the meet, and uh, everyone should come out and um, definitely support her. We're super excited. She'll also be uh, at the next home meet, February 9th, uh, alumni night. So you're going to get to see all your star-studded alumni in the uh, in the crowd, including Maggie Nichols, and we're excited to to have that next meet. Uh, great crowd. I thought it was a great crowd on Friday night. I, It's always – the funny things are the things that I see that you you don't, but I always like whenever there might be a little bit of a lull and the, the cameras catch the kids on the Jumbotron and they're going crazy or the big screen, whatever it is now, but constantly moving, constant action. And you were right. The sports science stuff with the alumni explaining it, those are fantastic. Yeah, I thought those were really well done. Um, and, and I thought it explained a lot. You know, it gave you some perspective in how quick this happens and how much they have to do in such a short amount of time. And, yeah, I, th- I thought they were really great. I thought you hit it on the head. You said Denver's going to come in and we got to be ready. Um, I, I was yelling at the officials the whole time. I still don't necessarily know if I know what I'm talking about, but I can make enough sense where I rally the people around me. Uh, so that was important. But team persevered, and they found yeah. a way on yeah. uh, Friday night. Yeah, they did. And I think that was the learning moment of that competition, and I told the team that as well. Like, we hadn't been down since the beginning of the year um, in the meet, and so fighting back like that shows that the team has great character. And I think that that's going to be important down the road. We're not always going to be ahead. We're not always going to be in the lead. And you have to continue to fight back, never give up. 
Um, don't get frustrated. You know, it's easy to get frustrated with the scoring, as you mentioned, yeah. but they can't pay attention to that. They just have to keep pushing forward. So that was the big lesson for me. You know, we had seen Denver the week before, um, and, you know, maybe we underestimated them in, in terms of what they might bring that night. And also it's our fourth meet, so we do see a little bit of a, you know, Per, perhaps a mental fatigue factor not so much physical I thought they had mm-hmm. great energy and everything but like the mental fatigue of okay we're going again it's been four weeks in a row we had hard travel and we competed Sunday prior to the Friday meet so a little off our schedule um, and we just need to to handle that better next time I <laughs> I forgot about this I timed coming in wrong so uh, I, I got my, my family tickets and I was like hey you know Lindsay, can I can I get a pass and I'll just come in and uh, go do my thing? And I walked in and I thought I had timed it well because I wanted to see the intro video. So I come just like doodling down the south entrance, and all of a sudden I see you guys come out of the locker. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I didn't realize what time it was, and I'm just kind of standing there. And then I turn around, and your whole team is like getting ready to take the floor. So I'm stuck right there in the entrance, and the fireworks <laughs> are going off, and I'm like, I got it. I can't. I can't be the person that goes walking out through the entrance. So it was a cool perspective, and I bring it up because. I don't think people realize just how um, juiced, fired up, whatever it might be, that your student athletes are because they're sitting there and they're watching the intro video and they've got their little thing they do when the fireworks are, are going off and they walk out. And then they got to go out and they got to get their calm again. I mean, what's that balance like for a coach? Because teams seem to come out pretty, pretty juiced on the vault, but yet in that same vein, home crowd. I didn't see the final number of attendance, but they were loud when they needed to be. It just—it was such a unique. Uh, it's always such a unique approach because it's like you're fired up, and then you got to kind of calm down a little bit, and you got to find your your zen, if you will. Yeah. So they hadn't seen the intro video, um, so they all usually crouch down and watch it. Like <laughs> yeah, you were right like, there. Like I saw. Yeah. You were right there. I was that, dad taking pictures. It for you, juices by the way. them up for sure. Um, and then of course we did this week have the banner reveal. So. That was somber. I felt like they got a yeah. little emotional yep. in it. And actually, I, th- I felt going into vault, maybe they were a little emotional. Um, <clears throat> we didn't touch as well as we wanted to. And vault was definitely the event that wasn't on par you know, for our normal performance. I think all the other events were right where we needed to be, at least close. Um, in vault, we just kind of started with a lull. So, you know... To your point, um, normally they kind of uh, have their sel- themselves together and they're they're calm back down. But I do think maybe they were on an emotional roller coaster <laughs> after was... the video. And the video was great. I loved it. Um, and and they, I I could tell that they were kind of taken back. You yeah, know? I mean, here, here here's your they're watching the video and that's me. I'm like, what else do I do except just sit here and take a picture? <laughs> but I'm gonna do the most dad thing ever. I got the coolest picture that maybe has ever been taken in the history of women's gymnastics. Look at me getting, um, oh gosh, I, walking out. See, you I need to hire that. me as a professional photographer. Sheridan. Sheridan, Sheridan Ramsey, walking yes. out. Oh, Josh, I did. I was so proud of myself. I'm like, look at that, <laughs> look at that. I'm, I'm like, and whoever I think Ashley and them saw me down there. It's like, what in the heck is he doing? Down? <laughs> it's me and the cleaning people, Josh. I'm just standing <laughs> along the rails. I'm like, I can't go walking out there right now. I haven't seen this photo yet, but I'm already very impressed. Yeah, there, I thought Good there job. was a better one that I had too. I was so proud of myself being down there, but. The point is there's great energy and there's great juice, and this team persevered. And there were 8,500, to answer your question, about 8,500 highest uh, opening attendance in the history of the program. 
we expect that to only grow. Like, that is huge. I can't tell you how exciting that was for, for our team, for sure. It was it was an amazing environment. Let's talk about it. Soraya? Soraya. Soraya. I always say, like, a ray of sunshine. Oh, okay. Soraya. I'll never say it wrong now. <laughs> now, I might keep trying to give the French pronunciation of Kate Lavasser's name because Lavassier sounds so much fancier. <laughs> but uh, Soraya Hawthorne. Yeah. How, how'd you find her? Where'd she come from? And, yeah. and just, wow, what, what a bolt of energy. Yeah, she came from Georgia. She was a, a COVID transfer. And um, she was in the portal. And uh, I actually know her coaches really well and have recruited athletes from her coaches many times and actually know her coach's daughter well. So um, it, was, it was kind of an easy transition. Her coaches um, really endorsed our program, and I think that's what helped her kind of make the move over to Oklahoma. And uh, we were super excited to get her. She's a bundle of energy, super positive, sweet, so sweet, such a sweet woman. And uh, obviously you can tell she's a, a showstopper. Like she, she, when she takes the floor, she owns it. Um, super fun. And her music, as you oh, mentioned, is so fun. September. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Earth, the whole... wind and fire. Okay. Let's, let's have Yeah. Your, your music editing. KJ. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I, I'm listening to the transitions and I'll, and I'll turn my daughter. They said they don't, they don't care for my commentary. I'm like, do you hear that transition? Couldn't tell. KJ did that. So <laughs> if you need audio edit, I mean, it's, I'm not even yeah. BSing you. It's like really smooth. You Thank don't even you. notice it. Thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, we well, are- by the way, the head coach editing the audio just shows you how uh, just down to I the have minute a, details another, KJ is. I have a retirement career editing <laughs> audio. Let me know if you need anything. Um, but anyway, I, I love doing it. And yeah, you have to you have to certainly hide those transitions so mm-hmm. they're not abrupt. But um, I, I do like to use the same um, musical bands, if you will. So we did Earth, Wind, and Fire um, for both of the ones. So it helps yeah. the transitions, like you mentioned, and it doesn't make them noticeable. It's, it's pretty cool whenever you have – I mean, I think it's fair to say maybe not the best uh, vault that yes. you want, but then you go out – and Danny Seavers hits a nine-nine, which should have been much better. But it's a nine-nine on <laughs> yeah. on her first bar routine. It really kind of sets the tone, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like Danny as our starter, Audrey as our starter on the other events. That um, those positions are so important, and they set the tone for the whole event. Like the score should just go up from there. How? Um, I, I know you can't say anything about the scoring, so I'm going to try to think of the best way to word this. Here you go. When you have a discrepancy that KJ Kindler sees and says, I don't agree with that. I, I know we've talked about this in the past. Like, I don't know how one judge can see something as a 985 and the other one sees it as a 995, right? Um, but what's your process? What do you do and, and how is that handled? Because it's not like you can go like Skip Johnson or Patty Gasso can and just roll out of the dugout and yell at an official or like Brent Venables, you can't grab a referee. It's it's a different kind of mindset. So he grabs referees. No, I, I just was using that as hypothetical. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Or, or you could be the go, get that guy, get that guy. We'll see. I mean, I've seen some bad calls against this. How do you handle that? What's what's the what's the proper procedure there? There's four things okay. I can do. Okay. One is um you know, nonverbal things like throw my arms up <laughs> and, um, you know, get kind of 
animated, if you will. Uh-huh. Um, I can do a stare down. That's definitely something I do. <laughs> I did it on floor at the meet. Definitely. You just walk a little closer, cross your arms, and do the stare down. Because here's why. If we say something that they consider unsportsmanlike, it can be a tenth. First of all, you get a yellow card. Oh, and if you okay. get a second one, you get a tenth off your team score, which obviously you never want to hurt your team. Like if they were just going to throw me out – I would really, I would yeah. really light up the room. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, go ahead, throw me out. If, if the only penalty was but, you're gone. <laughs> but because safety is an issue in our sport, they're not allowed to throw the coach out. So all they're allowed to do is basically penalize the team, which is terrible. And I don't want, I would not want to do that. So the stare down, the arms up. If I say something behind the judge that they can hear, I can get a yellow card. Oh, so wow. if I say that's. BS, for instance. Can I say that on the air? If I said that, if I said that, I could get a yellow card. So I really have to just mouth it to someone else or (laughs) let everyone know I'm disgruntled. And and sometimes that can have an effect. You know, everyone's human. So um, sometimes that can have a positive or negative effect on the score. So you have Hmm. to really read the room. (laughs) But can you then, when it's over, do you can you submit anything to the the Big Twelve or to the no nothing really nothing no. it is what it is yeah so at the end I can do what's called a routine summary, and that's basically me telling the judge I don't think your score was super awesome and I want you to tell me what you took gotcha and so we submit we can submit six of those which I do every single meet and if I'm really upset on a particular event I'll put all six on that event <laughs> and then the judge really knows like okay this this is. Uh, there's something wrong me, right? here. She's checking me. and then, But you can also do an inquiry in the meet if the start value is wrong, but that's the only way you can do it. So if it didn't start at a 10, let's say the judge didn't give credit for something and it started at a 9-9, then I can inquire. But if I just don't like the score, I cannot. Mm. So it's, it's kind of tricky. Um, the routine summaries are the best way after a meet to send a message, but like, well, how does that help you? Right. After you know, the meet. It right. probably makes her score higher at the next meet or him. It, and, it's, and it's always wild. So th- that's why you're always up so late after the meets. On- <laughs> yes. I, that's why I actually stay in the arena a long time. They have Do to you? stay and complete those. Oh, okay. All before right. Before they're allowed to leave. All right. Well, it, I, I love I love when you grab this the mic. This is a lot of education. I'm learning. Well, we had, a, we had a text literally right after you left on Saturday. Or, um, Thursday. Were you on Thursday? Yeah, Thursday last week that said, hey, I'm a statistical nerd. I love... I love uh, looking at football stats. What's what's kind of – I want to get into this. I want to understand the scoring part of it. And I was like, bro, I just know that it starts. You can get a 10, and if you're around a 9, 9, 9, 9, 2, you did pretty well. But for the most part, there's, there's certain things that they look for, and it starts with what the overall kind of difficulty of the routine is. Right. And then it works from there. Yes. I mean, it's detailed, but yeah, I was gonna say wait, we don't have you've got you've got stuff to do. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta grab a break, but uh, pretty detailed. All right, so this week, uh, you know what? I'm I'm a bad host right this now. This week is You're on big the road, time. Right? This yeah, is big we're time. at Arizona State and with Cal Berkeley, who's number two. Ooh, yeah. Okay. We, can we watch? Do you know? Let me. And look here. we get to start on floor. Get to. <laughs> Yeah, oh boy. <laughs> so, too. And, yeah. then, and then we'll have plenty of time to talk about it, but you're back home the following weekend. As you said, that February 9th meet, uh, we're going to have the alumni that are going to be here to celebrate yes. the great tradition of yeah. this uh, of this program. I think I heard this right. They're having the kids dress in their favorite Taylor Swift outfit or Travis Kelsey. So yes, that let's be fun. do it. I heard the Chiefs are doing well this year. I Yeah, Josh, can you see that smile? Look at that smile on that man's face. <laughs> 
and like hasn't left for a while. All right, so that is this weekend, and uh, it will be on the Pac-12 network, Pac-12 Insider, starting Friday night, 8 o'clock, Arizona State and Cal. Uh, when you guys uh, hit the road? When you uh, We leave on Thursday. Nice. Yep. S- safe travels. Congrats on the great start. Thank it you. was fun. What an Thank environment. You. Yeah, I loved it. Soonersports.com slash tickets. It's KJ Kindler. We'll take a break. Uh, Jenny Bronchek is next right here on The Ref. Oh, let's go. Socks and women's hoops. Jenny Baranchek joins us on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. Coach, congrats on that win over Kansas this weekend. We've seen that team uh, do some impressive things this year in Kansas. Well, they beat Baylor, but, uh, man, that was, a, that was a good, hard-fought win. Congratulations. How have you seen your team respond in practice this week? You know, I thought it was really nice almost, and I probably shouldn't even say this on, <laughs> on live radio, but – you know, honestly, it was nice to be able to see us be able to respond after kind of the the, the Texas hangover, for the right. lack of a better term, right? So to be able to do that um, against a very experienced Kansas team was, was really great. And then, you know, we took Sunday. We enjoyed it. And then I thought we did a really nice job yesterday in practice. So I'm excited again for practice today because we obviously have a really big one tomorrow. Yeah, Kansas State coming in town. Um, no Aoka Lee, though. We'll talk about it. I think the good news is the only time you lose is whenever I'm doing your games and they don't have me on the schedule the rest of the year. So That's uh, not yeah. even true. <laughs> you have seen some really hey, good ones. You know, I was thinking about that, too. And, and I like to point the finger at myself. But I think about that South Dakota game. That was incredible, right? And that was that was the first road trip uh, of the season. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, that was an incredible atmosphere. I've been on the road with you. Uh, some of those Morgantown trips are incredible atmospheres. In that Kansas State game, coach, let's just pull the bandaid off. It wasn't the best performance because we end up losing, but there's so many good things I felt like this team did in stretches that you can take from it. That even though you're not thinking about Kansas State because you're focused on Texas and Kansas. Even though they lost that game, I, I think there's got to be something that this team can take from, hey, we played well, we let this happen, we let this player do this, and oh, by the way, Aoka Lee's not going to be in the lineup tonight. There's got to be some confidence in the very least in how they competed when they went to Manhattan. Well, and it was a seven-point game under two minutes. So, mm-hmm. you know, so we were we were in it, and then we missed some shots at the end. We had, you know, we started to foul. They made some free throws, and then it grew in those last couple minutes. And so I think – you're right. Like, I don't feel like it's one of those games where you went there and now we have to convince them, oh, you know, in order for us to compete, the only way we can do that is without their center and, you know, all these things. I don't think this team is even motivated about any of that. I don't think it's a revenge game. I don't think it's, oh, okay, here we go. I think this team has been one that, okay, here's our next challenge. Right. And, and we've got to be able to – we've really gotten into – our defensive game planning, that's been really fun to be able to see us do that and expand that. Uh, offensively, we faced great um, pressure. And then against Kansas, we faced a completely different style of defense. We didn't handle that as well, but we continue to grow. So Kansas State's going to be a little bit more similar to how Kansas was. So we have a game under our belt with that kind of defense as well. Uh, so I'm just really excited for us to continue to grow and get better. We're starting to read things that we weren't reading. We're starting to make plays that we haven't made. Uh, and so that's that's the mark of a team that's a young team that's still hungry, that's still so excited to play. I was um, 
I don't mean to always bring up Porter when we talk, but he said something, and I was, and I thought to myself, I want to get Jenny Baranchek's take on this. He was talking about understanding basketball, and I don't know because mm-hmm. you were preparing for a game, and I don't know how much you got to watch, but at the end of the first half against Texas Tech, uh, they had a player that that left too much time on the clock. They could have milked it down and taken the last shot, but they started their offense a little bit early. It led to two free throws for Texas Tech. That unfortunately, right, it was a one point game, so it kind of becomes the difference in the game. Do you like when you see things like that across the country, knowing you have such a young team that still, in a lot of ways, has high basketball IQ? But hey, look at this mistake that happened. And I'm not trying to point a finger or any anything, but can you use those as kind of teachable moments for your team too, and not just specifically that instance, but maybe things you see across college basketball? You know, you see it all the time. You see. That's why you know I've been so impressed with our group in terms of the way that we've been able to manage end of game situations that Mm. we were not able to manage a month ago. And do I think that we're there yet? No, we put a lot on our players. So the the women's game is also so different than the men's game. And um, what I mean by that is the men, you know, the men have four timeouts, the women, we have four timeouts. But for men's basketball, if you don't use one of your timeouts in the first half, you lose it, right? So most people, if they still have it at the end of the half, start to do that. Well, we have, we have four different opportunities and because we play quarters to manage the end, right? Where men only have halves. So there isn't wow. that constant management of end-of-quarter type situations. Right. Right. So that's one difference. So we have to work on that all of the time because it happens in every game, at least three times where you're managing a two for one, you're managing milking the clock until you get that last second shot. Right. And then you have end of game management, which we all have. So we also do that without trying to use a timeout because we can advance the ball on the women's side. Mm. So we can advance the ball in the last minute of a game. And so you don't use those timeouts unless you have to use the timeout because you're trying to save it to advance it at the end of a game to help you manage the end of a game situation. The men don't have that. Ah. So it is, it's completely a different type of management as you go. So yes, you can learn from each other, but you also, the only way to really learn is to be watching constantly. Gotcha. And you have to have, I think that's where Nevaeh Todd, our point guard has done a great job this year. I think she came in and, you know, was like, yeah, we know how to manage, but she had a really experienced team a year ago. Now she's the only returning starter. And so she's, she can't just assume people know. You know, and Nevea, you know Nevea, she doesn't have a voice that, that's going to carry constantly. <laughs> and, you know, and so she's really had to control that tempo. What she has been able to do in the last few games, I'm just so proud of her because she's starting to see and understand and put people in different positions that maybe she wasn't able to do in November and December, but she's able to do now. So it doesn't always make, it doesn't always mean that you make the right decision, but at least, we're on the same page making a decision. Oh, it's a great explanation. So with that in mind, um, how have you seen that decision-making develop, right? You kind of touched on it there a bit. But even, you know, not just Nevaeh, but in that depth, like, I mean, I guess you would consider what, Raina Scott to be the backup at point guard or even the decision-making on when to and when not to drive or when to and when not to shoot. How have you seen this team's overall decision-making ability improve throughout the year, Coach? 
Well, I think we're still in the middle of trying to grow and be able to see it. But what I feel like in terms of our decision-making, I feel like we're asking the right questions, you know, and I don't, I don't know if we really were even understanding what kind of questions to ask. So, because there is a time and place where, you know, let's say you have 15 seconds left and you have a wide open, a wide open layup in the full court. Well, that might be the best shot that you're going to get. So you need to take that and then rely on that defense. So there's also different philosophies in how you do manage that, right? So I, I do, I think we're starting to see and understand. I also see our bench engagement a lot more hmm. uh, than, than what I've been able to see. So that's been fun. You know, the players that are on the bench looking at the players on the floor and saying, oh, okay, we should do this. Oh, we should have done that. Oh, I see exactly. Oh, that was a good call. Those types of things. So we still are not close to where I would love all five people on the floor, but we also play a lot of people. So we have a lot of different people that have to be actively engaged that could be in those end-of-quarter situations because we have three of them without having an end-of-game. So we have a lot more experience, I feel like, game experience and understanding that um, now that we're in the end of January. Four straight wins, including that win over Kansas. Kansas State coming up. Before we talk a little bit more about the Wildcats, speaking of voices and leadership, and I didn't mean to make that like the theme for this this, this interview, but I, no, I, I see the confidence of Skylar Van too, to where her voice, right? She, again, she's been around for a minute, but first year as a starter, right? And they, she doesn't have Maddie and, and Taylor and Anna to turn to, but I, I see her voice developing too, Coach. She's more of a lead by example player, right? Well, I, yeah, I mean, and I and I do think that we have a lot of that. We mm. don't have, you know, she said we had uh, media after after the last game. And it was it was interesting because somebody had asked her a very similar question of, okay, are you feeling like, okay, in the fourth quarter you can step up and you can – and she goes, no, I feel like our team is going to make the right decision when we need to make the right decision. Huh. And it's not on me. It's not on anybody else. It's on what we need to do at that time. And, and so is that example? Probably. But I also think she's just so invested in the team. I mean, there's different – types of players there's players you know Kobe was different than Michael Jordan was different than LeBron right I mean they're all different and their motivation is different and I think for this team we're all very team oriented I think that we are becoming a better team as time goes and we have to rely on the strength of that team you know a year ago we we relied a lot on everybody knew that the ball would be in Maddie Williams' hands at the end of the game. Now, Maddie would make a decision to pass it, to shoot it, whatever she needed to do, where she could really, you know, she wanted that. She had five years of experience to get to that point, right? And I, and I do think that started at that South Dakota game when we had to put that ball in our hands, and then mm. she understood that, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't get to understand that until you live it in those game situations. So we're in this situation now where Sky's not going to necessarily have the ball in her hands to make a decision, she will be the benefactor of somebody else making that decision or that pass to her. Yeah, that's, that's a great answer that she gave too. I, I would imagine as a coach, there's a moment where you look like, hey, that that's that's good. Confidence in her teammates. And boy, speaking of confidence, it, it just seems like there's always a different person that steps up, right? Lexi Keys can't miss mm-hmm. against Texas. And then 
kind of struggled a little bit, didn't have a ton of opportunities. But yet, who's right there? Skylar Van is right there scoring points. Sahara might have struggled a little bit, but Peyton Verholst is getting shots. That's got to be, to a certain degree, what a coach's dream, to have players that are always there to step up, maybe whenever someone doesn't have it, because you're not going to be on every single game. Well, exactly, and that's what you want. For, for our style and our system, the way that we play, we don't have – uh, you know, one high volume shooter. Right. We we might have, you know, Skylar might shoot 15 times in a game, but she's not averaging 30 shot attempts. And you know, I think there's a there's a difference in because there's some games she might shoot nine times, right? And so uh, that's one thing that this team does have, and and that's part of the style of the play that we have is we want to be able to have five people that are scoring threats at all time because. When you look at Lexi, she's obviously playing so well at Texas. Well, then because of that, then Kansas is going to adjust to that, and Kansas is going to guard her in a certain way, which then opens up something for somebody else. So that's what we want. We want to have that balance. Now, I'd love her to shoot really well every game and be able to knock them all down and 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 uh, be able to even get those opportunities. But also I love that they're so invested in the team that they just play to each other's strengths a lot. Now, we're not there yet, but we are we are getting closer and closer. If, if you got to get you got time for one more quick one, coach, because I, I I always have time right. for you playing. That's awesome. What do we know about uh, how this Kansas State team that you've seen, how have they adjusted without Aoka Lee? We know they've got shooters and a couple familiar faces. But what have you seen that they've done, if anything, different since losing their big center? Well, I mean, they've done nothing but climb up the polls. I mean, I, I think they're rated second right now. They went from fourth to second. They've had some really big wins. Uh, this is a team, too, that played a whole year without her. That's true. So so there's that that element. And also, you know, when when we were talking with our team as well, you, you can't underestimate them because Aoka Lee was averaging 20 to 25 minutes. So that's half of a game they're playing without her. So it's not like they don't have experience without her, right? They're going to just, it just is going to look a little bit different. They're going to drive a little bit more. They're going to push the tempo a little bit more, um, but they still have great, great pieces. So this is not a game that we look at and say, oh, they don't have her. So therefore we don't have to be here. No, it's, you know, we've got to get, we've got to get better and we've got to be able to play a variety of defenses. And not only that, we have to be able to adjust on the defensive end as games go. So we've got to continue to get better. And, and quite, quite honestly, we want to play better at home. That's what we need to do is be able to step on that floor at home and defend that because we've had some great crowds. We've had some great energy in this arena and we want to continue to have that. I know there's a lot of people that will be able to come tomorrow, so it's going to be a great environment. And we just need to be able to have fun playing because that's why people come out and watch this team is they have a lot of fun playing. Six o'clock. Can't wait. Coach, you're the best, man. Have a blast tomorrow night. Can't wait to watch you guys, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for your time. Well, thank you. Appreciate you always. Boomer. Sooner. There she is. Jenny Baranchek. I think that worked out pretty well. She gave me the pass for being the uh, being on the losing end of the call the off last the two trips. I'm off the hook. That's good. She's really been good for OU basketball, man. It's it's really been good. It's hard to replace a legend, and she's uh, she's done a really nice job. And it means you guys, it means so much to her. She is so 
emotionally and mentally and physically invested in this. It's it's really cool to see. All right, quick break. Uh, when we come back, dude. I, so there's a lot backloaded. Got a lot of uh, offensive line talk coming up at 10 a.m. right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, we're going to go all in in exactly five minutes from now on Garen Hatchett, uh, what we've learned about him. And, uh, boy, Washington didn't waste too much time there. He took his bio down off the – bio down. Not biodome. Bio down off their uh, website. I wish programs would stop doing that. It's like, just give me like a, a week or so. And, well, just, and he's just, still a part of that program. Just in general, point. leave it up because yeah. – there's a lot of information there that now it's harder to go find. Yeah. His brother Landon, of course, committed to go back to Washington. So we'll go in the details. I, I did get to do a couple of things last night that I don't typically get to do, Josh. I got to watch two whole basketball games uninterrupted. I didn't know what to do with myself. What a night. And unfortunately, everyone came home about midway through the first half of that second game. And I was like, whoa, hold on here. Y'all need to slow your roll. This is daddy's night. Now, unfortunately, one of those games was a Thunder loss, which, by the way, officially the Thunder have made it, guys. People are complaining about them getting calls. That's when you know you've made it. That is true. And I don't – listen, don't take your – I understand a lot of people get mad and they'll find, like, screenshots of two – well, this wasn't called – who cares? This means you made it. People are – you're in guys' heads. That's right. That's what matters here. Quit complaining about it. It, it, Everyone thinks they don't get any calls. But when Anthony Edwards, after a win, is complaining that it's – what do you say, eight on five or something like that? It's great. And then I watch Texas and Houston. Dang, man, Houston's good. Houston's, like, really good. Think, man, if you guys weren't mean to Kelvin – no, I'm just I'm kidding. But, no, it's pretty incredible to see what he's done down at Houston. That team is loaded with freaks. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in the top five stories today. But we're all in on Sooner Football. The latest roster news is next.